Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Devils fans, it is your host, Neil Villapiano, as always, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast, right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get the most up-to-date news, topics, discussions, and so much more about your New Jersey Devils. This episode, like all of them, are sponsored by the lovely people at DraftKings Sportsbook. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. As always, guys, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of opportunities to really see, you know, how many people are listening to the episodes, how many people are downloading them. And it really just means the world to me that you guys are spending a lot of time and taking time to listen to what I have to say. And I am really happy to say that over the last couple of months, a lot of my episodes have been some of the most listened to and most downloaded episodes throughout the entire Hockey Podcast Network. And I just want to say personally from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for for all the support you guys have given me. And trust me, we are far from done. We are just a couple weeks away from really the start of training camp. We are going to have a very long and very, very successful year of the Devil's State of Mind podcast going into season three. Um, There's probably going to be a couple more episodes of season two. Uh, We'll we'll see what happens with that. But we're getting close to the end of season two and beginning uh, season three 
of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. This will be the second full season. And really, technically, if you think about it, 82 games, this will be the first legit full season of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And I'm so excited to continue to grow this podcast, continue to grow the network. And I'm really happy you guys are, are with me on the ride for this. But enough about me. You're here to listen to me talk about Devils hockey. And we're going to be continuing on with our top five lists that you guys have. Uh, if you've been you know, keeping up to date with the episodes, we've been doing uh, some top five lists over the last couple of weeks. We did top five left wingers, top five centers, top five and top five right wingers of all time um, in Devils history. And now we move on to one of the tougher top five lists we've done, the top five Devils defensemen of all time. And ladies and gentlemen, this list was very, very difficult, and it's not necessarily because of the guys that are on the list. It's about figuring out the correct order, because I know that everybody's going to have their own opinion and going to express how they feel, and I just wanted to do my best to give my opinion, and I'm obviously going to explain to you with the list why I have guys in here, why I may have missed somebody, and if I missed anybody or if you guys have your own opinion on this, make sure, as always, to you know, hit me up on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. I you know respond to everybody's messages and I try my best to have a really good conversation with you guys because this podcast is for the fans by a fan. You guys are the biggest reason that this podcast is as big as it is and it's growing every single day. And again, thank you so much for that. But this list was a lot of fun to do. It took me over maybe close to two hours to really, you know, come up with the list of guys and, you know, putting them in the right order. We also have uh, three different honorable mentions. Uh, so we have a lot of players to discuss on this top five list. And as always, we have a bunch to talk about. So let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we're going to kick things off with number five on our list of the top five best Devils defensemen of all time. And this is somebody that I actually had the pleasure of interviewing for my old TV show, the MVP show that I did on Radio Vision Network uh, between 2016 and October of 2019. And what I'm going to do, by the way, is, uh, you know, in the Twitter, uh, when, I, when I tweet out the episode, I'm also going to, you know, post a link to that video so you guys can go check that out uh, and hear me talk. And that's from a couple of years ago. That's from 2016. So uh, I've grown up a lot. Uh, so I look a lot different. I might sound a little bit younger for obvious reasons, but I had a chance to actually interview Colin White uh, when the Devils did one of their um, their special needs or hockey with disabilities, um, you know, events. And I had the pleasure of being at the Prudential Center and interviewing some of the Devils alumni. And there's actually another guy on this list uh, that I had the pleasure of interviewing from that same video. And again, I'll share a link to that video as well so you guys can check it out. For yourselves, but number five on our list is Colin White, and I think some people might agree with you know having him on the list. Some people might say, "Well, you know, could be pushing it." I mean, you know, Colin White was here for a, a decent amount of time. You know, he won, he won a, you know, he won a, he won two Stanley Cups, uh, both with the 2000 and 2003 teams, uh, and even for some of the younger generation, people remember Colin White. So. You know, he's definitely somebody that was a fan favorite, a physical player. And look, Devils fans really love the guys, the defensemen that are very physical, love to bang the body and really just create a lot of havoc. And Colin White was certainly like that. And even nowadays, listening to him talk, you know, he's still like really, really into hockey. He's still a hockey guy at heart. And you could tell that he did a lot of screaming and a lot of yelling uh, back in his playing days. And, you know, he didn't put up a great amount of stats, but he was still a significant contributor to two Stanley Cup teams. He was drafted in the second round, 49th overall by the Devils in 1996. And he played just 21 games in his first year, which was the 99-2000 season. But he was on the team during the playoffs and helped them win the Stanley Cup that year. He was also a member of the 2000-2001 NHL All-Rookie Team. So he was still technically a rookie going into the 2000-2001 season. And as a result, he actually had a pretty good full year as a rookie in the NHL, and as a result, he won his, uh, he was part of the NHL all-rookie team. He did help the Devils win another Stanley Cup, like I mentioned before, in 2003, and he stayed in New Jersey until the end of the 2010-2011 season. And After that year, he ended up signing a free agent deal, a one-year free agent deal 
with the San Jose Sharks for the 2011-2012 season. And then after that year, he officially retired from the NHL. In his career in New Jersey, he played in 743 games, scoring 20 goals, adding 105 assists for 125 points. He also had 848 penalty minutes and 484 hits. Now, he probably had a lot more hits than that, but because they didn't start counting that as a statistic hits until 2007-2008, that's why we only have... 484 and some of the other guys on this list are not really going to have any hits totals because again 2007 2008 was the first year that they actually started counting hits as a statistic in 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 colin white's career in the playoffs with the devils he he played in 111 games scoring two goals 14 assists for 16 points 125 penalty minutes and 52 hits and now he's currently an ambassador with the New Jersey Devils. So a lot of the time when the Devils have events, he's usually one of the Devils alumni that you see a lot. And, you know, that event that I was talking to you guys before I had a chance to interview him, that was one of those events that he was a part of. And I've had the chance to meet him several times. He's a great guy. He loves supporting the Devils. I remember one time when I got free tickets in a suite, you know, it was one of those times the Devils were doing that. He actually came into uh, our suite and, and we had a chance to talk as well. And he's a really cool guy. I actually had a chance to wear one of the Stanley Cup rings is very, very cool. And yeah, he's just a really cool, you know, laid back type of guy, you know, with his big boisterous voice, no doubt. And he's still a huge supporter of this team. And hopefully, you know, as we continue to grow here and become eventually a Stanley Cup contender, you know, Colin White will continue to, you know, be here. And I'm sure he would be just as excited as all of us to see the Devils get back to the mountaintop. So I have Colin White, at number five on my list of the top five best Devils defensemen of all time. So now we go to number four on our list of the top five best Devils defensemen of all time. And it's somebody that came into the New Jersey Devils organization at the start of the 1999-2000 season. And really right from the get-go, he became a tremendous offensive defenseman and a guy that stuck around for a pretty decent amount of time helping the Devils to two Stanley Cups. And that is number 28, Brian Rafalski. And again, even some of the younger Devils will remember Brian Rafalski, particularly towards the end of his time in New Jersey. And look, this was one of the many times where Lou Lamorell and his staff just knew talent when they saw it. And Rafalski was actually an undrafted free agent coming out of college. And he signed with the Devils in the summer of 1999. And like I said before, he came in immediately and was a major contributor. He brought another dynamic to this team because, again, obviously the Devils were going to be known for their physicality, their defense, their goaltending, the neutral zone trap. But they needed some offense, particularly on the defensive side. And Brian Rafalski did that. We already had Scott Niedemeyer in the fold. But now you add Brian Rafalski on the other side, and it just helps out on the offense. He was really tremendous on the power play in particular. Definitely a quarterback of the power play for several years and, and really just helped this team take themselves to another level to continue their dominance in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and like I said, he helped the Devils win the Stanley Cup in 2000 and was part of the NHL All-Rookie team in that year in 1999-2000. So right away, Rafalski proved that he deserved the right to be drafted. And I'm sure every team in the NHL was kicking themselves, including the Devils, for not taking him in the draft. But the Devils, it worked out for them signing him as an undrafted free agent. He was part of the Devils uh, Stanley Cup championship team in 2002 2003, and he stayed in New Jersey until the end of the 06-07 season when he decided to sign a free agent deal with his hometown team, being from Detroit, Michigan, the Detroit Red Wings in the summer of 2007. And I'll tell you guys a really quick story, because this was around the time when I really started getting into hockey and getting into the Devils. You know, Brian Rafalski, just like, you know, with Scott Gomez, like I mentioned a couple episodes before, was one of those guys that became kind of the first players I became a fan of. And it was really disheartening to see him leave. And at the time, I didn't get it. I was like, oh, why didn't he just stay with the Devils? You know, why does he have to leave? Blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of when I started to learn about not necessarily the business of sports, but also the fact that, you know, a lot of athletes, they always dream of being able to play for their hometown team and in their hometown with all their friends and family, getting to see them a lot. It makes sense. When Zach Parise left the Devils after 2012 to go play for the Minnesota Wild, it made sense. He wanted to be around his dad, wanted to be around his family and play for the hometown team. It, it makes perfect sense now looking back on it. It's the same thing can be said for Brian Rafalski. And look, the Detroit Red Wings 
were, were just about to get back to that, you know, dominance that they had had, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s themselves, you know, winning cups in 97, 98, and 2002. But they, you know, had a couple of tough years. They lost in the conference finals in 07 to the Anaheim Ducks, who would eventually win the Stanley Cup. And they needed another veteran defenseman that was really going to help them on the offensive side. And that's why the Red Wings went after and got Brian Rafalski. And with Rafalski's help, the Red Wings were able to win the Stanley Cup that year in 2008, beating the Penguins in six games. And he remained in Detroit until the end of the 2010-2011 season when he officially retired from the NHL. And just three years later, Brian Rafalski was inducted into the United States Hockey Hall of Fame, 2014. He is not currently in the, you know, official Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, you know, it's it's tough to say, like, if he is necessarily a Hockey Hall of Fame worthy type player. I mean, he won a couple Stanley Cups with more than one team, but... Again, they also looked for individual, you know, numbers, and Brian Rafalski didn't have a whole lot of that. He was a solid defenseman. He was a good offensive defenseman. He wasn't one of those guys that was going to be on your top line, on your top pairing. I mean, he was going to be a guy that was going to be a contributor to the whole team's success, and that was really what he was known for. Uh, in his career with the Devils, Brian Rafalski played in 541 games, scoring 44 goals, 267 assists for 311 points. And in his career in the playoffs with the Devils, he played in 102 games, 17 goals, 43 assists for 60 points. He also had some pretty good success uh, in the Olympics, you know, you know, playing internationally. He won two silver medals with Team USA in 2002 and then also in 2010. So, yeah, Brian Rafalski had a very, very solid career being an undrafted free agent to go on and win not one, not two, but three Stanley Cups, win a couple silver medals in the Olympics and really just be a, a really good contributor to you know championship teams and being a solid, you know, reliable defenseman for many years. I, I think he can look back on his career and be very, very happy with it. And I'm very happy with it as well. And he certainly was a big part in the double success. And that is why Brian Rafalski is number four on this list of the top five best Devils defensemen of all time. And now we get into, I think, what a lot of you guys, I'm, I'm sure, are waiting for, the top three on this list. And again, probably all of you know who are the top three guys, but I, I think most of you probably don't know how I, you know, you know, organized and ordered these three guys. And really the way that I did it is I did it like this. I talk about longevity. I talk about, significance you know to the team's success and also just you know individual awards and also just still being involved with the devils in one way or another and i think once you hear the rest of this list i think it'll make a lot of sense why i listed it this way but going to number three we have a guy that really was a gift given to the devils by the toronto maple leafs and i'll explain in just a second and that is number 27 his jerseys hanging in the rafters at the rock scott niedemeyer Drafted third overall in 1991 by the Devils. And the Devils actually got the third overall pick when they traded away Tom Curvers to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, to be fair, to be fair, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to crap on the, on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but to be fair, Tom Curvers was a very solid offensive defenseman. And the Maple Leafs were hoping that he could be that guy that could help them make a run getting back into the playoffs. And instead they ended up finishing towards the bottom of the NHL and the Devils got the third overall pick and were able to select Scott Niedemeyer. That was the same year as the Eric, you know, that was the Eric Lindros draft where, you know, Lindros was drafted number one overall by the Quebec Nordiques and he didn't want to play for them. And a year later he was traded to the Philadelphia Flyers um, and the Devils, they were able to get, you know, one of their several franchise defensemen and a guy who would have a pretty long career in New Jersey. Nina Meyer was a member of the 92-93 All-Rookie Team. He's one of the few guys in Devils, Organ in Devils history to be a part of all three Stanley Cup teams. And I look at 95 in particular, and I believe it was, I want to say it was game one, where he, I, yeah, I think it was game one, where he had the puck behind his own net and took it coast to coast by himself as a forward, took a shot, went wide the net, but he skated past the defenseman, got his own rebound and scored. And it was just a tremendous individual rush 
by a hockey player. It was phenomenal. If you haven't checked it out, go just type in Scott Niedermeyer, um, game one, 1995, and it'll immediately come up. It was a tremendous individual rush by, by a player, particularly a defenseman. That's something you normally see from a forward, but you know, for many years, Scott Niedermeyer was just a fourth forward. Yeah, he was obviously a defenseman, and he did a very good job of playing defense, but he was really, really well-known for being that offensive threat. Before, obviously, Brian Rafalski came, he was that first real offensive defenseman threat that we had. Um, and obviously, he was part of, like I said, three Stanley Cup teams. You know, 0 2 3 was interesting because he was playing against his brother, Rob Niedermeyer, who, interestingly enough, actually played a year with the Devils. Uh, you know, oh, about a decade later. I mean, Rod Niedermeyer played a pretty long time as well, but obviously did not have the same type of career that his brother Scott did. Uh, Niedermeyer also made the all-star team twice in his time with the New Jersey Devils, and he won a Norris Trophy as the Devils' best defenseman. And I think if my memory is correct, he is the only Devils defenseman to ever win the Norris Trophy. Now, hopefully with the likes of somebody like maybe a Dougie Hamilton or Ty Smith or Kevin Ball, or Shakir Mukamadulin, um, maybe we'll have another one in the future. You know, that's that's what we're hoping for. Uh, not just for team success, but also individual success doesn't hurt at all. But yes, Scott Niedermeyer won the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman in the 2003-2004 season. And that was also his final year in New Jersey. Now, after, you know, they had a strike in the 0405 season and they and the NHL came back in 0506 and Scott Niedermeyer decided to sign a free agent deal with the Anaheim Ducks to play with his brother, Rob. I think that was mainly the reason why he wanted to go there. Also, let's face it, the Ducks at that time were a team on the rise and they would go on to win the Stanley Cup in 2007. The brothers were able to win a Stanley Cup together. Scott Niedermeyer winning his fourth Stanley Cup. That would be the final Stanley Cup he would win in his career. And also on an international stage, Niedermeyer won two gold medals in the Olympics with Team Canada in 2002 and 2010. And he ended up retiring in the summer of 2010. And a year later, his number 27 was retired by the Devils. So nobody will ever be allowed to wear 27 ever again. And then eight years later, not that long ago, 2019 to be exact, the Anaheim Ducks retired his number. So he is one of the few players in NHL history that has his number retired by more than one team. He became a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2013. So they didn't even wait the usual five years. It took him three years and they inducted him right then and there. And look, Scott Niedermeyer did everything you know one could do to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Played over a thousand games, won a Norris Trophy. He was a four-time All-Star. He won four Stanley Cups. He won several gold medals. I mean, he was legitimately one of the best defensemen of his time. I don't think there is much debate of that when you look at the defensemen of that era. I mean, there's obviously a couple other guys that might have had a better career. Or, um, you know, obviously Nick Lidstrom to be one. But Scott Niedermeyer is right up there, right up there. In his career in New Jersey, Scott Niedermeyer played in 892 games, scoring 112 goals, 364 assists for 476 points. And in his career in the playoffs with the Devils, he played in 146 games, scoring 17 goals, 47 assists for 64 points. Now, the reason that I have Scott Niedermeyer at number three, as opposed to higher, is for the simple fact of the he didn't play his entire career with the Devils, nor did he finish his career with the Devils. It's not like he came back and signed a you know, one-year deal or a one-day deal and retired as a devil, you know, he did, he, he never came back to the devil's playing-wise after the 03-04 season. So that's, that's really the only knock on him because here's the thing. If he had played his entire career in New Jersey, he might have been number one on this list considering, you know, everything that he did. I think he would have probably been number one. And I think a lot of people would agree with that considering everything that he did. And the fact that this is somebody that was basically given to the Devils as a gift because of Tom Curvers, that's just what it is. So Devils fans have Tom Curvers and the Toronto Maple Leafs to thank for getting Scott Niedermeyer. And Scott Niedermeyer was a phenomenal player, and he was certainly a phenomenal player with the Devils. And for that reason, he is number three on my list of the top five best Devils defensemen of all time. So quick recap here before we get to number two. Uh, number five on this list is Colin White. Number four is Brian Rafalski. And number three is Scott Niedermeyer. Now, this is where it got really hard because 
you have two guys that both retired as devils. One is in the Hall of Fame. One is not, but definitely should be, in my opinion. And both of them were, are going to, they're both two of the most recognizable names, other than obviously Martin Berder and Patrick Ilyash in Devils history. And these are two guys that also have their numbers retired. And it, it really took me some time to figure out how I wanted to uh, order this because, again, it was just like, well, who really made, who's going to be remembered more? Who's going to be considered really the best Devils defenseman of all time? And I think that I finally came to a conclusion. And again, I'll explain it in greater detail as we go along with this list. But number two on my list is without a doubt the most intimidating defenseman of his era, a man who put several players to the ground and knocked them out pretty cold. And that is the intimidator, Scott Stevens. He was absolutely a beast during his time. And I feel like if he played in this, in this era, he would be one of the most hated players in the NHL. I think he would give guys like Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson a run for their money. I think both of them would be shaking in their boots if they faced off against Scott Stevens. I really believe that, considering the type of player Scott Stevens was. Scott Stevens was drafted fifth overall in 1982 by the Washington Capitals. That's a fun fact in case you didn't know. And on September 3rd, 1991, he was transferred by the St. Louis Blues to the Devils as compensation for St. Louis signing restricted free agent Brandon Shanahan. So Brandon Shanahan ended up signing an RFA deal with St. Louis, and the Devils were given Scott Stevens in return. And I think it's safe to say that it worked out at least for the Devils' perspective, and it later ended up working out for Brandon Shanahan considering the Hall of Fame career that he had. Um, Scott Stevens, without a doubt, one of the main catalysts for all three Devil Stanley Cup teams. You don't talk about 95, 2000, particularly 2000 and 2003 without talking about the captain, Scott Stevens. And like I said before, the most intimidating man in hockey during that period. And yes, you did have the likes of Darian Hatcher and Ty Domi, but, you know, it was still Scott Stevens because he would knock out anybody. And it wasn't like he would fight them. He would just level them. He would just hit him right at center ice and just hit him cold. And if you don't believe me, ask Kozlov in 95, ask Eric Lindros in 2000, and even to a lesser extent, but still pretty significant, ask Paul Correa. I mean, Paul Correa, what was so impressive about him is that he got decked. And nobody thought that he was going to return to that game, let alone the series. But he came back in that same game, in game six, and had that, you know, infamous goal where he took a slap shot really at the blue point and beat Martin Verdeur and, you know, Gary Thorne had that infamous, you know, on the board, off the, like off the floor, Paul Correa, like that, that infamous call, like everyone remembers that, but Scott Stevens, I mean, he still, he put people, he scared people to death. I mean, he really did. He, there were a lot of people that were afraid to be anywhere near him. And he was really, really an intimidating player. And he just was not afraid to hit anybody, regardless of who they were. And what's significant about Scott Stevens is that he was named captain of the Devils in 1992 and remained captain until 2004 when he ultimately retired from the game of hockey. He won the Conn Smite as playoff MVP in 1999-2000 because of what he was able to do to shut down the likes of, you know, Pavel Bure with the Florida Panthers at that time. You know, guys like, um, oh, his name escapes me at the moment, but obviously they're playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Matt Sundin. Uh, playing against him and, you know, Eric Lindros and the Philadelphia Flyers. And then obviously, you know, the likes of Brett Hall, Mike Madonna, Therian Hatcher, Eddie Balfour, you know, able to beat them. He went up against some of the best players in the game at that time and was able to quiet a lot of them down pretty much the whole playoffs. And he rightfully deserved to win the con smite without question. Um, uh, Scott Stevens ended up winning, uh, well, not winning, he was part of four all-star teams. So he's a four-time all-star with the Devils. And he retired in September of 2005. And I remember that he was kind of debating whether he wanted to play one, one last year with the Devils. But because the strike ended up happening, it was easier for him to make the decision to just retire there. And he ended up retiring as a New Jersey Devil. And that's great because he had a Hall of Fame career up, up at that point. He ended up getting his number retired the very next year in 2006. And in 2007, was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And in his time in New Jersey, Scott Stevens played in 956 games, scoring 93 goals, 337 assists for 430 points and 1,007 penalty minutes. And again, I mentioned this before, 
Hits were not counted as stats until 0708 or 0607. And because of that, we don't have any idea as to how many hits Scott Stevens had in his career. It's definitely over a thousand in my opinion. And in his career in the playoffs with the Devils, Scott Stevens played in 153 games, 17 goals, 45 assists for 62 points and 186 penalty minutes. But his time within the Devils organization did not stop after his playing days. He actually came back to the Devils many years later as an assistant coach in July of 2012, the year after the Devils went to the Stanley Cup. And he stepped down from his position as an assistant coach after two seasons in 2014. But just three months later, he returned to the bench along with former assistant coach and also um, fellow Hockey Hall of Famer Adam Oates as co-head coaches after Pete DeBoer, thank the Lord, was fired. Because that was when the Devils were really at the point where they were just going nowhere. And the Devils needed to make a change. And they ended up going with both Scott Stevens and Adam Oates. And they were okay, um, you know, with Adam Oates focusing on the offense and Stevens working on the defense. Uh, But obviously they were there on an interim basis. And, you know, that was the end of that, you know, once they did that. And then, uh, as we all know, the infamous uh, John Hines was hired the very next year. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, He actually, Scott Stevens, became an assistant coach with the Wild in 2016 and retired after one season just because he wanted to be with family. And since that point, he has not been a coach. He is basically an analyst with NHL Network. I know that a lot of Devils fans have said before that they would want him to come back as an assistant coach. I don't know if Scott Stevens really wants to come back as a coach. Um, It'll be interesting to see how this season goes and see if there are any changes that are going to be made. I mean, I think Elaine Nazardine is pretty much on the hot seat with how bad the defense was last year. You know, with the amount of talent that he has this year, I'm hoping that things improve. But if they don't, the Devils, I'm sure, will be looking for a new assistant coach. And maybe Scott Stevens is a candidate. I, I don't know. I doubt it. But, you know, that's just what it is. Scott Stevens is not as much of an alumni um, or ambassador to the Devils as some of the other guys that I've mentioned before, but obviously people still know him. People still love him. He'll always be the captain in many people's eyes. He was the captain of all three Stanley Cup teams. He was an enforcer, you know, an intimidating man, and he just shut you down all the time. And he was a phenomenal player. He's one of the top three and one of the top two best Devils defensemen of all time. And that is why Scott Stevens, the captain, number four, is number two on my list. Now, before we go to number one, which I think at this point you pretty much know who it is, and if you don't, I'm kind of surprised by that, we have three honorable mentions. I like to always do this because I think it's always fun to mention some names that maybe not everybody knows about, and you know, you can kind of have a little bit of a, a lesson here, because you know what? On this podcast, you always learn something new. I learned something as well while I do these research, and it's a lot of fun. So let's kick things off with our first honorable mention, another very well-known devil and ambassador to the devils. That is Bruce Driver. Most devils fans know who Bruce Driver is. Most of us have had a chance to meet with the man. Very, very nice guy. Very supportive of this organization and just a great ambassador to the team, 100%. He was drafted in the sixth round, 108th overall by the Colorado Rockies. And that was the final year that the Rockies became, were the Rockies and then became the Devils um, the next year. And Bruce Driver joined the Devils in 1983, 1984. And he was here for over a decade as he helped the Devils win the Stanley Cup in 1995. But then shockingly, after that season, he signed a free agent deal with the Crosstown Hudson River rival New York Rangers which again, we've seen a lot of this from a lot of Devils players. They usually prefer to stay in the area. So the next logical place to go is New York. And I mean, I'm sure some of these guys stayed living where they were and then just commuted, which is probably not that hard of a thing to do. Um, So I think that that made sense from from a logistics standpoint. Um, But yeah, he signed a free agent deal with the Rangers and played there until 1998 and then ended up retiring after that year. And in his time in New Jersey, Bruce Driver played in 702 games, 83 goals, 316 assists for 399 points. So he was one point shy of 400 in his career in New Jersey. And in his time in the playoffs with the Devils, he played in 82 games, 10 goals, 32 assists for 42 points. And he obviously won a Stanley Cup in 95 and is, and is right now one of the bigger ambassadors with the New Jersey Devils. And he will always be remembered as a fan favorite to a lot of the older Devils fans. And, 
He's always going to be at Devils games, and we're hopefully going to see him a bunch this year. And he's just a really, really awesome guy. And he was one of the other guys that I had a chance to interview in that same video with Colin White. And again, I'll leave a link to that um, in, you know, everywhere that I post the episode when it comes out on Thursday. So I hope you guys check out that video as well. But that is the first honorable mention, Bruce Driver. Now, the next honorable mention is somebody that he didn't play like a whole long time in New Jersey. He played a, he played a decent amount of years, but I think a lot of people remember him more with the Red Wings and certainly in his time playing with the, with the then Soviet Union. And that is Vyacheslav or Slava Vatisov. And a lot of Devils fans, definitely the younger generation, may not know why Slav Fetisov is so significant, not just in Devils history, but in hockey history in general. First of all, he played in the Soviet Union. And during that time, when you're playing for the hockey team, you're actually technically part of the army as well. And you have a 25-year contract where you can't leave. You have no choice. You're not a free man. You have to stay there. So literally anybody, any Soviet player that got drafted in the NHL, unless they found a way to defect, because that was really the only way that they could, they could leave, you know, escape, um, you were not leaving the Soviet Union. You could be selected, and that was it. Uh, I know that Vladislav Tretiak, who many people consider the greatest goalie in, in, in the hockey world, uh, considering what he did, he was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens, and he never got the chance to go over there because, again, playing for the Soviet Union, you're not allowed to unless you defect. Um, and, you know, with Fetisov, he actually was drafted twice. The second time was he was drafted by the Devils in 1983. And at that time, he was arguably the best Soviet Union player out of all of them. And he was 31 years of age. So he wasn't, he was pretty much in the primary career, leaning maybe a little bit more towards not, but he was still a tremendous player. And Lula Morello, as Slava Fetisov said, was basically like a spy. They would constantly keep in radio contact. They were trying every which way to convince the Soviet Union to allow him to freely leave the Soviet Union to come play in the NHL. And every single time, the Soviet Union found a way to prevent him from going until Slava Fetisov himself was able to get a meeting with the Minister of Defense. I forgot his name at the moment, but he was the Minister of Defense and actually forced him to sign the papers to release him from the, U the Soviet Union Army so that he could travel to the United States, to New Jersey, to play with the Devils. And at first, they weren't really thrilled about doing it. But eventually, after a couple of quiet days, Fetisov was given permission to leave the Soviet Union as a free man in 1989. So six years after Fetisov was drafted by the Devils, he was allowed to come to New Jersey and play in the NHL. He started his career at age 31. And again, he was the first Soviet Union player to, I guess you could say defect, but defect as a free man, you know, not escape or anything. He was able to convince the Soviet Union. And, and remember, at that time, the Soviet Union was starting to fall apart. So they were already in pretty a pretty difficult spot. But the fact that Fatisov was able to do that is just so significant. And it really just led to so many other players. And we remember the famous Russian five in Detroit. If it wasn't for Fatisov, that never happens. That, that's just calling it like it is. And we've seen Fatisov in so many different movies and things like that. He is the face in many ways of Russian hockey for a long time. And he's the guy that's going to be remembered all the time as really allowing Russian players to be free to come to the NHL and play the game of hockey at the highest level, which is absolutely phenomenal. But going back to Fetisov, uh, he, like I said, he started his career with the Devils in 1989 at the age of 31 and was actually traded from the Devils at the deadline of 1995 to the Detroit Red Wings for a third round draft pick, which ended up becoming David Goslin. And that same year, Fetisov would help the Red Wings get to the Stanley Cup Finals, where they were shockingly upset by the New Jersey Devils, as the Devils swept the Red Wings aside in four straight to win the franchise, franchise's first Stanley Cup. But Fetisov would stay on the Red Wings, helping them win Stanley Cups in 1997 and 1998. But the big thing that people remember was the summer of 1997, after the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup, where... Interestingly enough, I think it happened the day before I was born, because I was born June 15th, 1997. Uh, Fetisov uh, and his teammate Vladimir Konstantinov and a trainer uh, were, part, were part of a major car crash in a limo. Um, and 
for Fatisov, he was able to recover from his injuries and go on to play in 1998 um, and continue to play. But unfortunately for Vladimir Konstantinov, uh, he was not able to recover from them. He ended up surviving, but he could no longer speak. He could no longer, well, not you know speak well, but he could no longer walk. He could no longer play the game of hockey. And I know that over the years, he's obviously progressed a lot more, but it was very difficult as he actually ended up suffering a life-threatening spinal cord injury. But he was able to survive, and I believe he's still alive at this time, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and the trainer as well. I think also had a very similar injury to Konstantinov. But for Fatisov, he was very lucky and was able to not only live, but actually be well enough to come back and play. The Red Wings go on to win the Stanley Cup again in 1998. And that is when Fatisov retired from the NHL. Now, he ended up playing, I think, one more year in Russia in 2010, um, nearing you know 50 years of age. And that's when he officially retired from playing hockey. Um, but interestingly enough, between that period, Right after he retired, he became an assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils and helped the Devils win another Stanley Cup in 2000 during his three-year tenure from 1998 to 2001. So he was part of Larry Robinson's staff and helped win a Stanley Cup. So he's actually won three Stanley Cups, and he actually won a Stanley Cup with the Devils at the end, which is a very nice thing. So he's won two as a player and one as a coach, which is, which is pretty awesome. But the biggest thing that people remember from Fatisov is what he did on the international stage with the Soviet Union. He won three gold medals in the World Junior Championships. He won seven gold medals, one silver and three bronze at the World Championships. And he won two gold medals and one silver at the Olympic Games with the one silver being, of course, the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. He was a part of the Soviet Union team that lost to the United States in that semifinal round. And that's the one that everybody talks to him about and everything like that. And it's something that obviously he'll always struggle to talk about and, and deal with, but he was still able to win a couple of gold medals, many junior championships, many world championships. And he was one of the best defensemen of that generation. And, you know, he may not be one of the best you know, defensemen in, in hockey, in NHL history, but he's one of the greatest defensemen in hockey history. If he had played his entire career, in the NHL, he would have probably gone down as one of the greatest defensemen of all time. And I don't think there would have been much debate for that. Um, but considering that he didn't have a long tenure with the Devils, um, and he actually only won a Stanley Cup as an assistant coach, uh, he wasn't on top of my list. But because of all the other things that I mentioned, even being with the Devils, he definitely deserves a mention. So he is number two on the honorable mentions list. And now we go to the third and final player on the honorable mentions list. And it's somebody that's still working with the Devils organization and somebody that I feel like had a pretty solid career while playing in New Jersey. And that is Bryce Salvador. I think some people might say mm, that's a little interesting, but I can kind of see it. Bryce Salvador was actually drafted originally by the Tampa Lightning in the sixth round, 138th overall in 1994. Uh, and I think he was immediately traded afterwards to the St. Louis Blues, so he never played a game with Tampa, and then was traded from the St. Louis Blues to the Devils in exchange for Cam Bam Jansen, um, who ended up coming back to the Devils later on and obviously became a fan favorite. I actually met his parents at a Devils game one time. They're really awesome people. Cam Jansen, I think, has a podcast as well, uh, which you guys should go check out uh, if you're a big Cam Jansen fan. If you're a hockey fan in general, go check that out. Uh, but again, he was uh, Salvador was traded to the Devils in 2008 and remained with the Devils for the rest of his career. He helped the Devils reach the cup final in 2012. He was named the captain of the Devils the next year after Zach Parise left New Jersey to go to Minnesota. Like I said, played the rest of his career in New Jersey and retired in 2015. And in his time in New Jersey, he played in 339 games, eight goals, 39 assists for 47 points with 441 hits as well. And in his time in the postseason with the Devils, Bryce Salvador played in 38 games, scoring five goals, 10 assists for 15 points. And the two moments that I have of Bryce Salvador as a player, that I remember, we're both from the 2012 Cup run or, you know, finals run. Uh, the first one was the goal he scored, and I believe I want to say it was game five of the second round against the Flyers, where he was on the far left side. He took a wrist shot on the power play, and it hit the top post and in, and you could hear it. It was a really, really nice shot. 
And Salvador obviously not being a really big goal scorer as a defenseman, whenever he scored, it was obviously kind of like a, a surprise, but obviously it was an important goal as the Dallas would go on to win that game and the series to advance to the conference finals. And then in game five of the Stanley Cup finals, he ended up scoring the game winning goal. It was kind of a fluky goal, you know, again, from the far left side, just kind of throwing it on net. And it ended up hitting off a L.A. King or two and went into the back of the net. And the Devils were able to win that game and force a game six back in L.A. Um, so, yeah, those are the two big memories as a player that I remember for Bryce Salvador. And obviously also being the captain for a couple of years, I'm sure was a great honor for him and he was always just a very solid defenseman I would love to have a guy like Bryce Salvador on the Devils now that very very even keel smooth skating you know semi-solid defenseman who could put up some decent numbers be a good guy on the penalty kill really good at blocking shots and he was just a very very smart guy and you could tell that even now because for the last several years he has been an analyst for MSG networks covering the New Jersey Devils and you we've just seen it over the years how intelligent he really is and how hockey smart he is and how he's able to dissect plays we see it all the time we see him using that hockey stick to us to describe plays he's he's super bright we see him on twitter where he's talking about devil's players and things like that and it's phenomenal and it's gotten a lot of us to believe that he really should be an assistant coach at one point or another or be a coach within the devil's organization because i think he could really really help so he might very well be a candidate if elaine nazardine doesn't end up working out this year as a potential assistant coach working on a defensive side. And he's also, to a lesser extent, but still an ambassador with the New Jersey Devils. You know, obviously he played seven years with the Blues and played seven years with the Devils, but he is a New Jersey Devil through and through. He still works with the team. He's still involved with the team very much. And he's always going to be, you know, he's always going to have a place in, you know, a handful of Devils hearts. He has a place in my heart 100%. And that is why, he is on our honorable mentions list of this entire list. So to recap real quick, our honorable mentions are Bruce Driver, Vlachislav Batisov, and Bryce Salvador. Now, before we get to number one, I'm going to do one last quick recap in case you have missed it. So here is so far what you've heard on the top five best doubles defensive of all time. Number five, Colin White. Number four, Brian Rafalski. Number three, Scott Niedermeyer. Number two, Scott Stevens. And the honorable mentions are Bruce Driver, Vlachislav Fetisov, and Bryce Salvador. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the number one best Devils defense in all time is a man who played his entire 20-plus year career in New Jersey. He's Mr. Devil himself, the myth, the man, the legend, Ken Danico. And look, I understand from a statistics standpoint he may not have been the best Devils defenseman all around, but come on. He played his entire career in New Jersey, and he's still, he's arguably the biggest fan we have. He, every time the Devils do something great, he's so happy about it, and we love him for it, and he represents the Devils so well. Uh, Ken Danico was drafted 18th overall in 1982 by the Devils. He was the second ever player drafted by the Devils. That was the first year the Devils were the New Jersey Devils. The first player ever taken, as a fun fact for you guys, is Ford Rocky Trottier, who was drafted eighth overall in that draft. So the Devils had two first-round picks. Ken Danico was the second one. And, and he's talked about this before, where he was so excited to get drafted. And then his very next question after being drafted was, where the hell is New Jersey? And that was kind of his first introduction to New Jersey. And I think that's what a lot of people say. Where the hell is New Jersey? And, and that's just what it is. It, it happens to the best of us. So don't worry about it. But he became known for his physicality, not afraid to drop the gloves and fight, his ability to get into the scrum with basically anybody. And he was there through the dark times. And even those, you know, years leading up to 95, where the team was really on the rise. And he just embodied being a New Jersey devil. He loved playing for this organization. Like I said, played his entire career in New Jersey, 21 years playing in the same place. He was one of the few guys to win all three Stanley Cups. And he actually did win one individual award. He won the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy in 1999-2000, which is uh, given to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to ice hockey. So that's pretty good that he has at least one individual award. He played until the end of the 2002-2003 season when the Devils won the Stanley Cup, so he got to retire on a high. And, you know, look, 
He hadn't played most of that year because of injuries. He hadn't played most of that playoffs, but I did remember that he got the chance to play in game seven and he helped the devils. And it was obviously a great feeling for him to be on the ice, to help the devils. And for him, just having his entire career, 21 years later, winning three Stanley cups and just being a part of playing with some of the best players in the game at that time, some of the best players to ever play and being through all, all those memories and seeing New Jersey grow as a hockey state. I'm sure it was absolutely phenomenal for him. Um, he actually ended up having his number retired three years later in 2006. So they retired Ken Danico's number. And then like, I think like a month later, they retired Scott Stevens number. Um, he is known as Mr. Devil. That's who he is. And that's not going to change. He is Ken, Mr. Devil Danico for a reason. He is the New Jersey Devils in many ways. He played his entire career here. He, and he's still part of the Devils, you know, organization in many ways. He is not in the hall of fame. Excuse my language, but that's bullshit. I understand he doesn't have a whole lot of individual awards, but come on, man. He played 21 years. He played two decades. He played over a thousand games. He won three Stanley Cups. I don't know what else you got to do. I really don't. I understand maybe he didn't win a Norris Trophy. Maybe if he did that, maybe if he won a gold medal or two, I don't know. But I think at this point, it's ridiculous. He, he's, it's been nearly 20 years since he retired. Can we please get him into the Hall of Fame? I think he deserves it. I really do. I understand that some people might aren't. And look, there are probably going to be a lot of other players that are not in the Hall of Fame that should be in before Ken Danico, and I understand that. But there has to come a point where Ken Danico deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be there with Scott Niedemeyer and Scott Stevens. His number's retired. He's the only one of the players' numbers retired that's on the Hall of Fame. And all of those guys won all three Stanley Cups and have their number retired as well. I, I think it's only right. I really do. I think it's ridiculous that he's not. But that's my opinion. Um, in his entire career, which is all with the Devils, Ken Danico played in 1,283 games, scoring 36 goals, 142 assists, 178 points, and 2,516 penalty minutes. That's awesome. Again, hits were not counted because he, he played his entire career and retired before hits were counted. And since he retired, or well, not since, but for the past many years, we've all known him as the color commentator for the Devils on MSG. And I know some people are somewhat critical of him for his energy and things like that. But look, he's a very bright individual. He brings his energy. He tries to be optimistic even during the difficult times. And he's still a major supporter. He's constantly optimistic. And I think we need that sometimes during these very difficult times. And I think we're going to have more reason to be optimistic. And we're going to probably appreciate Ken Danico more because of the fact that this team is getting better. And he's also an NHL network analyst as well, representing the Devils. Uh, they actually have three former Devils a part of those um, discussions. Uh, you have Kevin Weeks, Ken Danico, and obviously Scott Stevens. Uh, but Ken Danico, a guy who makes a lot of people laugh, fun-loving guy. Everybody loves him. Everybody's had the chance to meet him. Absolutely love the guy. He plays his entire career in New Jersey. He is Mr. Devil. And for that reason, Ken Danico is number one on my list of the top five best Devils defensemen of all time. So one final recap here, ladies and gentlemen. Number five, Colin White. Number four, Brian Rafalski. Number three, Scott Niedemeyer. Number two, Scott Stevens. Honorable mentions are Bruce Driver, Vlachislav Batisov, and Bryce Salvador. And once again, the number one best Devils defenseman of all time, number three, Mr. Devil himself, Ken Danico.